Welcome back to Reliving the War. We're now at episode 29. It's the 22nd of April 1996. WCW is live tonight from Albany, Georgia, while WWF Raw is still showing taped matches from San Bernardino. This week's episode of Raw is the go-home show for good friends, better enemies. Shawn Michaels takes on Diesel this Sunday at the pay-per-view, and this would also be Diesel's final televised WWF match of this run. I'll cover good friends, better enemies next Next week, but for now, let's get started with this week's Raw and Nitro broadcasts and let's see who had the better show. Eric Bischoff tells us that Sting and Lex Luger are going to do battle with Ric Flair and the Giant once again in our main event, only there's a twist. The tag titles, the TV title and the World Heavyweight title are all on the line. If Luger gets pinned, whoever pins him is the new TV champion. If Flair gets pinned, whoever pins Rick is the World Champion. Bischoff then said that the Giant can pin Flair to claim the World title. I'm not sure how that would work at all, but at the same time, let's not think about it too much. This is a high stakes Nitro main event so you know it will end in disqualification. Pepe has already poked his eyeballs out because we have the public enemy versus the American males to start things off on Nitro while the WWF start their show off with the Goldust versus Savio Vega IC title match. I'm covering the Goldust match first because I really enjoyed last week's main event and I want to see if they can do better this week. We get a recap of what happened last week with the IC title getting vacated and we get a brief backstage interview with Savio Vega where Vega's Spanish seems to confuse Jerry Lawler and Vince McMahon. Savio makes his entrance and as soon as the bell rings, Vega and Goldust begin throwing wild punches at each other. Savio takes the early advantage with a clothesline, Goldust takes a nice inside out bump here. Goldust begins walking back up the entranceway but Savio stops him with another one of those nice sidekicks. The action gets back inside and Goldust nails Vega with a grounded punch. Goldust then kisses Savio in the corner. Savio fires up a little but Goldust hits a low blow which the referee did not see. There's a real bad edit job here. Even the commentary gets briefly cut off as the cameras go from Marlena and then back to the ring. We've definitely missed a portion of the match as Goldust begins focusing on Savio's leg. Vega hits an enziguri before we go to break and when we come back, Goldust is still focusing on Savio's leg. Goldust stays on the offense and credit to Vega here, he's selling it well. Savio finds himself in a modified camel clutch, the ultimate warrior makes an appearance via split screen and the warrior says he's going to, quote, bust a hole in your house, my my, and Warrior also says he's going to make Goldust squeal like a pig. So Warrior is busting holes and making people squeal. Back in the ring, Savio gets a knee up and Goldust gets his golden globe smashed once again. Goldust then goes to Irish whip Vega, but Vega's leg can't hold up. Extremely simple, yet extremely effective selling here. Goldust hits a leg drop, but Savio kicks out of two. Goldust then tries to ram Savio's leg into the ring post, but Savio fights back, Goldust gets his head drilled into the post, and then we see Stone Cold Steve Austin and Ted DiBiase making their way down to the ring. Savio begins firing up as we go for another commercial break. Goldust is back in control when we come back. Goldust goes for the curtain call, but Savio reverses with a spinning back kick. Savio only gets a two count. Eventually, Marlena gets on the ring apron to cause a distraction. Savio has Goldust pinned, but Goldust kicks out and Savio gets sent to the ropes. 
Steve Austin nails Savio with the million dollar belt. Goldust pins Vega, one, two, three. Goldust becomes a two-time Intercontinental Champion. I enjoyed this match again. It wasn't as good as last week's main event, but it was still enjoyable. Switching over to Nitro, we have the Public Enemy versus the American Males. During the entrances, Eric Bischoff gives away all the WWF Raw results. I won't repeat what he said here because I know some of you guys haven't seen these episodes of Raw or Nitro and you don't want spoilers, but Eric didn't give a shit about that. Eric called Goldust a RuPaul impersonator and a transvestite as he spoiled the outcome of the IC title match. Some fans brought a sign that says, Free Tupac. Tupac Shakur was in jail because he didn't show up for community service. He was supposed to appear for a road cleanup job, but he decided against it. These wrestling fans thought it was an injustice that Tupac was behind bars once again. Anyway, American Males vs. The Public Enemy. Rocco Rock and Johnny Grunge try to take an early advantage by singling out Scotty Riggs, but Marcus Bagwell saves the day with a top rope double clothesline. Bagwell and Riggs then hit crossbodies from the ring to the outside, and the audience is into it to be fair. Grunge and Riggs are in the ring. Grunge hits a shoulder block but Riggs replies with a hip toss followed by a body slam. Rocco Rock comes into the match and he gets taken down by some tandem offense from Riggs and Bagwell. Quick tags from the American males help the babyfaces maintain an advantage. And as Bagwell and Grunge begin working in the ring, Eric Bischoff begins plugging Slamboree. Slamboree 1996 will feature the lethal lottery and the battle bowl. Competitors will form tag teams which are drawn at random, so babyfaces could potentially tag up with heels, and these random tag teams will compete in the Lord of the Ring tournament. Teams who win their second round matches will get placed in the Battle Bowl Battle Royal, where it's every man for himself, and the winner would get a world title shot. Keep all this in mind because I'm not explaining it again. Slamboree would be held on May 19th, so we still have a long way to go. As Rocco Rock nails a lion salt, it's revealed that the public enemy managed to get paired up together in the lethal lottery. Rocco Rock and Johnny Grunge will be teaming up in the Lord of the Ring tournament. Bagwell continues to take a beating as Eric Bischoff also reveals that the Steiners will be on opposing teams at Slamboree along with the Road Warriors. If your interest is low in Slamboree and the Battle Bowl then you're certainly not the only one. WCW's ratings took an absolute beating around this time period and it's not hard to see why. They were building up to this tag tournament that nobody really cared about. Bagwell needs to make a tag here and somehow Marcus can perform a middle rope crossbody but he can't reach over to tag his partner. Bagwell gets an opening when Rock misses a top rope senton, Riggs finally gets tagged in and the public enemy take a few drop kicks. Things start heating up a little until Riggs gets thrown over the top rope and the referee calls for the bell. The American males win via disqualification. Riggs ends up going through the table. Eric Bischoff again calls this the public enemy sandwich. I hate that name and I hate the move also. It looks so stupid. It's a point for Monday Night Raw. Look at this absolute legend who's come back to save the day. Eddie Guerrero is finally back on Nitro and he's taking on Chris Benoit. Over on Raw we have Vader versus Fatu. The WWF replay Vader's attacks on Gorilla Monsoon and Yokozuna once again. Fatu makes his way to the ring, we go to commercial break and Vader is already beating the life out of Fatu when we come back. Fatu gets an opening when he dodges a sit down splash. Vader takes a little punishment in the corner and Fatu 
Fatu is able to hit a cutter. Fatu then hits a splash from the top rope, but Vader summons his inner Hulk Hogan, and he stands right back up after taking the move. Fatu takes a giant clothesline, and then we see the Vader salt. Fatu takes a loss. Not a lot to say here, really. Both guys are capable of better matches, but I think this one suffered due to TV time constraints. Chris Benoit versus Eddie Guerrero on Nitro. Here's a spoiler, Nitro's getting the point here. It's great seeing Guerrero back on Nitro though, he has been missed, and I think he's only ever lost one single point during this whole Reliving the War series. Before the match gets underway, Mean Gene and a few female assistants draw some lethal lottery tag teams. We get to see a few teams that were already matched up earlier, and I'm not sure if you guys even care about this, but just in case I get complaints, you'll see a few of the matchups on your screen right now. Slamboree 1996 and the Lord of the Rings tournament was so inconsequential that it feels like a giant waste of time, but still, here you go. Mean Gene draws out a few more names. Ric Flair is going to team up with the Macho Man Randy Savage, and Arn Anderson will team up with Eddie Guerrero. Our match gets underway. Benoit brings Guerrero to the corner and he playfully slaps his face. Guerrero answers by bringing Benoit to the opposite corner and doing the same. And then we get lightning quick arm drags from Guerrero followed by a dropkick that sends Benoit to the outside. The crippler gains his composure. Guerrero and Benoit then trade wrist locks, but it's Benoit who gains the upper hand. Benoit hits a ferocious back suplex before applying a chin lock, and then we go to commercial break. Benoit still has the hold applied when we come back. Guerrero is able to land a head scissors takedown, and Guerrero is also able to hit a back suplex of his own after a standing switch. No advantage is gained, though a bridging German suplex from Benoit only gets the crippler a two count and then a fist fight breaks out in the corner between the two competitors. The commentary team has done nothing but talk about Randy Savage getting arrested last week. Remember the macho man was doing jail time for hitting an elbow drop? No kidding. The commentators won't stop banging on about Savage getting paired up with Ric Flair in the Lethal Lottery and what this means for Ric Flair and all that nonsense. Guerrero hits a top rope Hurricane Rana and Bischoff calls this a top rope knack tie. A fucking knack tie? And Benoit gets a foot on the ropes, no pinfall. The match ends when Guerrero pushes Benoit into the corner and he goes for a pin. Benoit reverses it and the crippler uses the ring ropes for leverage. So it's an unfair win for Benoit but still a tremendous match here. As predicted, Nitro gets the point. Rob Garner here is apparently a vice president of WCW and he's out here to talk about Randy Savage. Rob was actually the WCW director of marketing, so I guess because he had a suit on, Eric Bischoff decided to use Rob as some sort of high-ranking WCW executive. A suit can get you very far in life, folks. Rob is here to talk about Randy Savage getting thrown in jail for delivering the elbow. Savage comes out. Rob says there will be ramifications for Savage's actions, but come on. Randy just stayed in a jail cell for hitting his finishing move. I think Randy has done his time. Savage says that the suits at WCW City Hall are getting a little ahead of themselves. Savage will be the tag team partner from hell at Slamboree. And Randy also threatens to blow up City Hall if these office types don't stay out of his way. Garner tells Savage he needs to get professional help in the form of a psychiatrist. Randy says no, it's Garner who needs a psychiatrist. And Randy threatens 
ends the slop corner before the short segment ends. Our next matches then are Jim Duggan vs Ming on Nitro and over on Raw we have the Godwins vs Yoshihiro Tajiri, yes it's that Tajiri, and Tim Patterson, yes it's that Tim Patterson. Just kidding, I have no idea who this is. Before the Raw match gets underway, we see clips from the WWF's tour of Germany. Brad Hart was in action, Owen Hart made an appearance, Shawn Michaels was there with Dad's click camera, and fun times were had by all. Sonny and the Body Donnas appear at the start of the match via split screen, and Sonny says she has a surprise in store for the Hog Farmers. Tajiri and Phineas start things off, and even though Tajiri is booked as a jobber for this match, he still gets a chance to show off some of his unique moveset. Tim Patterson and Henry O'Godwin get tagged in. Big Henry applies a bear hug, but his arms are placed way too low. It looks like Henry is squeezing his opponent's ass. Sonny comes out, she taunts Hillbilly Jim with the tag team titles, and Jim ends up chasing Sonny to the back. Phineas gets tagged in and this Tim Patterson chop takes a beating. Henry comes back in and the match ends after poor Tim takes the slop drop. At least Tajiri got to show something. It's quite strange though that he didn't get tagged back into the match. The body donors come out to attack the Godwins. Chris Candido nearly got his neck broke when he didn't make it into the ring on time for this spot here. And the segment ends with Phineas getting a taste of his own slop. I'll be honest here, I'm not really enjoying the Godwins on Reliving the War. I never was a big fan of Henry O and Phineas I, and I was hoping to find a new appreciation for some of these superstars who I didn't really like when I was younger, but my feelings towards Henry and Phineas haven't changed at all. Ming vs Hacksaw Jim Duggan on Nitro Hacksaw won't let Ming step inside the ropes. Duggan attacks his opponent twice while Ming is on the apron. They're just wasting time here. Ming eventually begins attacking Duggan and boy does Hacksaw take a beating here. Ming chokes Duggan on the ropes. He hits a super combo in the corner. He chokes Duggan with his foot. Duggan gets his eyes and his back scratched. Even when Duggan tries to fight back, he's still taking the bumps. Duggan looks flat out confused as Ming puts on a nerve hold on Duggan's shoulders. He's just sitting there with his tongue hanging out, but somehow Jim gets back to his feet. Jim comes off the ropes, but his attempt at offense gets squashed by Ming. Ming again goes for the shoulders, and I busted out laughing at this next part. The referee raises Jim's hand to see if he's out cold, but Jim's eyes are wide open, and he's watching the referee raise his hand. He even looks out to the audience and to the hard camera to see if there's any kind of reaction. Admittedly, I would normally complain about this type of thing, but because it's Duggan, it just comes off as really funny. I think Ming is a little pissed off though. Duggan gets to his feet once again, only this time he's able to mount a comeback. Duggan tunes up the band and he goes for sweet chin music, but he decides to punch Ming in the face instead. A body slam follows, but again Duggan can't keep his momentum. Lefts and rights from Ming lead to the referee stepping in. Duggan tries to use his 2x4, but he gets kicked in the mouth instead. Ming goes for the cover, but Duggan gets a foot on the ropes. Hacksaw rolls out of the ring, he tapes up his fist, Ming takes a big right hand from Duggan, and what do you know, Hacksaw gets the win. This wasn't a good match, yet it was strangely entertaining. A point for Monday Nitro. After the match, Mean Gene draws some more names for the Slamboree Lethal Lottery. Stephen Regal will team up with Fit Finlay to take on VK Wall Street and Hacksaw Jim Duggan. 
Main event time, the Portuguese Man of War Aldo Montoya takes on Mankind on Raw, while WCW Nitro give us Flair and the Giant versus Lex Luger and Sting one more time. Bischoff is still talking about how the Giant can pin Flair in this match to win the world title, but he makes no mention of Sting pinning Luger to win the TV title, even though all belts are supposed to be on the line here. It's a complete mess from a booking standpoint, but let's see how the match played out. Flair again takes the time to give Deborah McMichael a little attention, and then Randy Savage runs in to try and attack the Nature Boy. The Macho Man once again gets handcuffed and he gets brought back to jail. Poor Randy is now getting arrested for performing wrestling run-ins. Sting and the Giant start things off. The Giant overpowers Sting, but the Stinger fights back with a few drop kicks, drop kicks that have no effect on the big man. Luger comes in to help out and the giant gets clotheslined over the top rope. The nature boy gets press slammed and sent to the outside also and the audience are loving it. A great ovation here for Sting and Luger. The nature boy and the total package get tagged in. Slick Rick chops Luger but Luger no-sells it. I absolutely love Ric Flair's reactions when he does this. He turns around and he violently shakes his head in surprise. Luger sends Flair crashing to the mat and Flair finds himself eating the canvas when Sting lends a helping hand from the apron. Lex tags out and Sting lays in the punches. A hip toss gets followed up with a drop kick, but the Nature Boy looks pretty pleased with himself when Sting runs into Flair's back elbow. Flair takes the top rope bump and then Sting hits a superplex. Rick then finds himself on the outside and Sting lines up the Stinger splash against the guardrail, but Sting is unable to hit the mark. Woman takes advantage by raking Sting's eyes and the match gets back inside the ring with the giant and Flair making quick tags. Eagle-eyed viewers would notice Jimmy Hart passing something to woman down at the bottom of their screen. I thought I just saw something we weren't meant to see, but no, the cameraman gives us a full close-up of woman holding a cup of coffee, her new weapon of choice. Flair takes a power slam from Luger, and this prompts the giant to get into the ring. The giant goes for the choke slam, but Sting hits two diving chop blocks from the top rope. So, check out this ending. The giant eventually gets floored and Flair is all alone with Luger and Sting. Woman passes the coffee to Flair. Flair throws it, but Luger and Sting jump out of the way. The coffee goes all over the giant. The referee then calls for the bell. It's another DQ finish, as predicted. It's such a bad finish too. It should have continued on. Flair's actions gave his team a disadvantage, and it's kind of an unwritten rule that the match doesn't get thrown out if your underhanded tactics backfire. Still, the giant is livid. Flair comes back out. He gets on his knees to beg for forgiveness, but the giant doesn't want to accept any apologies. Mean Jean gets a word with the giant, and the big man says he's coming for Flair's world title. The Giant versus The Nature Boy next week on Nitro. Flair is at the commentary table now and The Nature Boy says he tried to say sorry and now The Giant has to apologise to Ric Flair or The Nature Boy will kick The Giant's ass next week. The Giant chases Flair to the back and Eric Bischoff confirms that next week on Nitro we will see Flair versus The Giant for the WCW world title. A pretty standard Nitro main event then. Why they bothered with all this every belt is on the line nonsense though, I have no idea. It meant absolutely nothing and it led to absolutely nothing. 
The WWF show clips from three weeks ago as Mankind makes his way to the ring. We see clips of Foley attacking The Undertaker once again as the WWF continues to push Mankind. Montoya starts off with a dropkick and Mankind doesn't try to defend himself. Foley absorbs the punishment and Montoya ends up on the receiving end of a few kicks to the head. Mankind brings Aldo to the corner. A series of punches gets followed up with Mankind ripping out his own hair. And then Montoya takes a running knee. Foley attacks Aldo on the outside as Raw takes its final commercial break. We come back to see Montoya fighting back. A dropkick in the corner doesn't floor Mankind, but Montoya goes upstairs anyway. The aerial offense gets stopped with a swift punch to the mouth from Mankind. Montoya gets set up in the Tree of Woe and Mankind follows up with a forearm smash. Mick again rips out his own hair as Vince McMahon calls Mankind demented. Foley hits a pile driver. Montoya is now completely out of it. We see the mandible claw and the referee calls for the bell. Mankind wins. This was a good match for the Mankind character. It was all about showing us how Mankind seemingly absorbed pain and seeing Foley rip out his own hair definitely got people talking but as a main event Raw match it was nothing special. The final point goes to WCW Nitro. To end this broadcast of Raw we get a hype video explaining the Diesel and Shawn Michaels rivalry. Remember In Your House is this weekend. Diesel then has an interview that only lasts around 30 seconds or so. It's very standard stuff. Diesel says that he's the leader of the new generation, not Shawn Michaels. Diesel is glad that he no longer has to be a WWF corporate puppet. And that in your house, Diesel says that he might come after Vince McMahon after getting done with the HBK. Diesel called himself a genetic wonder during this interview, by the way. A genetic wonder. Savio Vega and Goldust managed to pull it out of the bag two weeks in a row. The first point goes to Raw. Eddie Guerrero's return to Nitro was much needed. His match with Benoit felt like a breath of fresh air after weeks of the same stuff on the WCW side. The second point went to Nitro. It was interesting seeing Tajiri on Raw here, but his tag match was boring. Duggan vs Meng was good for a laugh, so that's another point for WCW. And finally, the tag team main event on Nitro had the most nonsensical stipulations, but it still felt much more like a main event than Aldo Montoya vs Mankind. Nitro wins this week's Reliving the War, meaning our overall scores are 13 points for both Raw and Nitro, and we've had three ties. Raw won in the television ratings, scoring a 3.3 to Nitro's 2.7. Next week we'll look at the In Your House Good Friends Better Enemies results and we'll also get to see the Ultimate Warrior wrestle his very first match on Raw. On Nitro we'll get to see Ric Flair defending the WCW Championship against the Giant. Thank you for watching and take care.